Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Middle of the Rashi is in verse 11 of this fourth chapter Shmot. Let's read the verse to get ourselves going and then we'll jump to the Rashi uh, that, we, um, that we stopped on. So the verse is... Uh, God said to uh, Moshe in response to Moshe saying, I'm heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue. We won't go backwards into all the different interpretations of that. Uh, who's the one who placed a mouth in a person? Or who would place um, or, or, or make somebody mute or would make someone deaf? O fikeach, or clever and discerning, uh, O iver, or blind, halo anochi anonai. Behold, I am God. Okay. So we spent a lot of time last week before the Rashi, and then in the Rashi on the structure and the potential chiasm and the potential groupings of this of these notions of of, of how God makes people either blind or deaf or or mute or clever. Um, and we, we had a lot of wonderful inter- interpretations that you all offered in terms of ways of, of just putting commas in places that impact the meaning. Uh, and Rashi um, went in a different direction and said that these are not just generic um, descriptions of human beings' frailties or strengths that God is responsible for, but links each of these to the Moshe story uh, in, a, in a wonderful narrative way, um, but not necessarily uh, in shot. It's interesting. This Lahavdil Elif Havdalo, what Rashi does in this in this um, comment that we read last week, reminds me. Believe it or not, and this is going to be a very strange association of the uh, movie and musical Mamma Mia, because what did they? What what did the people who created that musical do? They took songs that were totally disconnected from one another by the group ABBA, right? That were written not for a theme, not for a story, and they found a way without changing the lyrics of the song to string it together into one storyline, which I thought was really inventive, right? Um, I don't know if you could do that with every uh, musical group. Maybe you could if you, if you try, try hard enough. So what Rashi does here is string words that probably in the verse are just talking about these grand categories of, of human um, abilities or disabilities. And then Rashi links it very specifically to a storyline, which we don't have even that much information on, but uh, Rashi makes it work particularly as Rashi relies on himself and his own interpretation of that, of those scenes with Moshe and the taskmaster and Pharaoh. Okay. That took us to the end of the first set of Rashi on the verse. And now we're on one last short Rashi on the verse on the words, hello, hello, anochi. Uh, any questions before we go on and read that next Rashi? Okay. Renee, do you want to read the next Rashi? And then you'll start the next verse if you don't mind. Or, uh, hello, anochi. Okay, so what does Rashi say? And then what is he saying? Those are two different questions. What, what do the words mean? And then the question is, what is the impact or the import of this comment? Isn't it I, uh, who, the, the one whose name is Hashem, that did all this? Right, so it seems to be very straightforward. The two Hebrew words that Rashi is commenting on are, Halo, halo Anochi, behold, I, right? Um, uh, I, I am God, I'm the Hashem. Rashi only quotes the Halo Anochi, but the verse says Halo Anochi Adonai. And Rashi's answer, right, which means that there's a question that he doesn't articulate. Rashi's answer is, what's the answer? 
that my name is God, my name is Adonai, I did all those things, right? So, so that's Rashi's answer. And at first glance, Rashi's answer seems self-evident, right? He would say to Rashi, well, of course that's what it means, right? Because there's a question in the verse. Who's the, maybe it's a rhetorical question. Who's the one who did all these things? And then the verse ends with, Hello, behold, it is, it is I who is God. How else could we read it? So my question to you is, how else could we read it? What is the Havamina? What is the, the thing I might have thought such that Rashi's comment is disabusing us of that and saying, no, it means this, not that. It's, it's, uh, we, we're sort of forced to read it that way so that we don't just read Rashi as being the master of the obvious. Rick? Hi. Um, okay, so a couple of things. Um, one, you have the Anochi here, and you also have Moses, Moses saying Anochi at the end of the sentence before. Um, uh, there's a parallel there. Not sure what to do with it, but um, most anyway. Then uh, the the balance of verse eleven here, the etnach ta is aniver. So there's all those words I didn't count them, but a dozen words before the iver, and then afterward there's just the three. So so if if you look at a verse having some kind of uh, uh, balance, like a fulcrum in the middle kind of thing. Um, plus the, the trope is very intense at the beginning, the Vayomer Adonai, the Kadmav but then the, the different parts, you have a Zarkasigol, which calms down to a Yativ, which is pretty intense, but then Miasumilem goes with O Cheresh, those are both Munachs, Katons, and then you have Merchat Et Nachta. So all of that, things that happen in life, so um, that's all balanced against uh, uh, God on the other side of the of the balance, and w- I'm thinking when Moses goes to Pharaoh and and they're competing with all the Egyptian gods, it's going to be what happens in the world and who's really causing it, kind of thing. So that's what the trope kind of show me that there's all these activities, all these things in life, and uh, God is the source of it. Uh, Great. I think that's, that's a really nice read of the shot there, particularly the the imbalance of it. The the, the rhetorical questions, the non-rhetorical questions about, you know, who's responsible for this and that and this and that. There are 15 or 16 words there, depending on if you count me, assume as one or two with a hyphen. And then you have three words balancing the 15 or 16. It is I who is God. But I still have a question of how, how, how is what Rashi is saying, adding to that or answering it? Is, is there a fine point? Is there a subtlety or a, a misdirect that I might have been confused by such that Rashi puts me correct? Or it's just one of this one of the moments where Rashi says, yeah, I know this is obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Joanna? As I look at the verse, Misampes seems to be set apart from all the other ones that follow. Um, the, the rest of the series seems to be a chain that's connected to each other. And we've discussed before how pet can refer to like words like pet and lashon, can refer to parts of the body, but they can also be words for language, for speech. And therefore, I think there's a possible read that the first part of the sentence, misampe, might be, you know, who does that? Your parents, who teach you to speak? Your parents. And then the rest of the verse refers to God. And so Rashi's making clear that even misampe is a reference to God. Okay, good. So so unless you read the verse as suggesting possibly that there are many people who are responsible for these parts of you. 
uh, I Rashi am saying that what God is saying in this verse is it's all I. It's 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 all Anochi. It's all it's all Hashem. Okay, that's one possible read. Joel. Well, hello is a question word. Haim lo. Is it not me? So you could read it. Is it not me, God? Or you could read, Am I not God? So Rashi is trying to disabuse you of that second interpretation. He's not questioning whether he's God. Okay, good. I, th- I think that's pretty close to to or it, it aligns with with how I generally read this when I'm trying to read it as Rashi not being um, in the in the in the obvious department, right? Lest you know, sometimes when we have to construct uh, the question that Rashi's answering, when we get to that question, we might say, well, I wouldn't have asked that question. That's, just, that's, that's, not, that's not exactly, that's not at all what I thought in this verse. So it, it may be a straw man that we never would have actually run into, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a straw man that, that Rashi was concerned we'd run into. And so what's the straw man here, from my perspective, pretty close to what Joel was saying, that lest you think that halo anochi adonai is simply, you know, a... Uh, uh, a beating of a chest, as it were, or God saying, um, and you know, and, and, and after all, I am God, right? As I've said to you before, I am God, God is my name. Rashi wants us to make sure that we're reading those three words as an answer to the questions leading up to this, right? Which also connects to how Joanna read it, that all these questions are hanging out there with question marks, they're all interrogatives, and there's actually an answer. The answer is Anochi Adonai, not just a rhetorical question. Who do you think did all these things? Dot, dot, dot. Let me remind you, Moshe, I am God. The impact is the same, but the, there's a subtle difference in the sentence structure. Uh, uh, if indeed Rashi is trying to say something not obvious. Larry, Diane, and Barry? Sorry. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit slow in catching up. So for what I'm saying, repeating anything everybody said, I'm sorry. I think we're, I think we're at a loss here. In, in discussing this in English, I think this is one of the occasions when we <clears throat> not only discussing in English, but the fact that <clears throat> we don't want to we don't want to uh, articulate the tetragrammaton and pronounce the name, and um, we keep substituting God for um, the tetragrammaton, and it's not it, that's not the generic God. That's that's God's name, and we. And not only do we make it holy and want to uh, sanctify it, not use it in in the way that it's used when you read it, but neither does Rashi. Mm-hmm. So Rashi. So if you read what Rashi is saying, he says that my name, Tetragrammaton, I don't know if I can say it, if you get upset if I say it, but my name, yud Hey vav Hey, <laughs> I did this. He's making, God's making this separation according to Rashi. Between him, his self, his incorporeal self, and the name, and I don't know if that's the first time that that's happened in the Torah, but we do that as well. We the name is holy, not yeah. just that God is holy. The name is holy, and the name is powerful. Yeah. And God is saying here, not only am I, Diane was joking before, the great and powerful Oz, but that name, yeah. the wizard, is powerful in itself. And if you invoke that name. It can do all sorts of things, and that's what I've done here. I've invoked that name, so maybe not coherent, but that's that's. It seems to me that's what Rashi's saying. You asked me if I'd be upset if you'd say the name. I, I can't not think of Bonnie Python and the life of Brian and the in the whole Jehovah scene. Stop saying Jehovah. You said Jehovah. You said, <laughs> and, and the, the the guy who's telling him not to say Jehovah says Jehovah, and then they get then they stone him for having said Jehovah, right? So you you, you can 
you, it can become silly unintentionally. Um, yes, I, I think that's I think that's a nice read because what you're trying to do, you're trying to read Rashi as Rashi reads the text and try to ask, you're asking, why is the word Shmi within the Rashi commentary? There must be something about the shame, which is significant here. And that it's not just that it's an answer to the question, but that the answer to the question is reminding Moshe of the power of Shem Hashem. Um, a super commentary on Rashi, and then I'll get to Barry and Stevie, um, called the Maskila David, says it this way. Zohi hachuva al kol amurot, right? This is the answer on all of the questions that were asked. So that links what Joel said to what Joanna said. Halo anochigi, behold, I, sheshmi adonai asiti kozot. Now he includes the Rashi comment that my name of God, I am the one who did all this. The imkain, and if that's the case, Moshe, Rashi seems to be saying is what God is saying. Gam bishlichut zo el paro. Also in the um, the, the, the mission that you're about to be sent on to Paro, it's appropriate or makes sense that you would be, I'm not sure what he means by the word samuch here. Samuch usually means close by, maybe intimate with or batuach and, and fortified and protected. That you're going to be able to succeed beyond the natural um, um, normal way. Right. So what the Maskil David is saying that what Rashi is saying is by invoking Yudhevavhe, God is saying to Moshe, in the same way that I can intrude upon or interrupt or force nature to correspond to my will as I choose I, God, choose willy-nilly who has sight and who doesn't have sight, I will also be that powerful name with you as you go to Pharaoh when you're going to need someone who has that power, right? So don't worry, Moshe. It really is the case that you're going to be okay because I'm the one who is is, is working all these marionettes. Uh, Barry and then Stevie. So uh, what's the setup that God is creating for God's self? Uh, if God is the one who creates um, the, the mouth and the speech and, 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 and creates a, a, a dumbness, and Moshe is heavy of mouth. Uh, what's God's game plan that uh, Moshe is uh, heavy of mouth if God has chosen Moshe to be the spokesperson? What's, what's God's game plan with Moshe here? What, what's the game? I can't tell if you're asking a question or answering a question, Barry. Rhetorical. Rhetorical. Um, yeah, well, if it's a rhetorical question, then kind of built into the structure of this first would be saying, yes, I, God, know that you are Chavad Peh and Chavad Lashon, and I, God, am the one who's capable of making someone who once was Chavad Peh no longer, and who once was very powerful, Pharaoh, no longer. So you're, you're in good hands with all state. So God's asking Moshe to take a leap of faith. Absolutely, right. Right. Um, good. Stevie, and then we'll see if there's anything else going on in the verse. Yeah, just to sort of bolster Larry's point, like this is quite literally Moses's first encounter with God. And Moses presumably grew up with whatever theology, you know, whether from the Hebrews that he knew or from the Egyptians that he knew, right? It's not, right, it's not self-evident that Moses would have thought, would have known anything about God as what, abilities or history god has or does or did and 
you know, the name of God is the narrator uses it, but it never appeared before. God, you know, mm-hmm. announced that this is a, a name that's a new name, right? So when he says, I'm the one who did these things, it seems to me that this is, in fact, is new information or potentially new information. Great. I mean, I assume that Moshe had a copy of Elliot Dorff's book, Knowing God, on his bookshelf when he was a child, and so he got his theology that way. But you're right, he, that, that our, as, as, as real as we try to make these stories and these characters, it's hard even in that presumed realness to figure out what the character Moshe might have known about the God of Israel or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and, and what those powers were. And let's remind ourselves that to the, ex- the extent to which the Torah does have a chronology, even though a mukdam umukharba Torah, <laughs> God hasn't done much yet since bringing the flood to suggest that God operates beyond the natural order of things, right? It, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen. But even the, if the stories that we know from Rashid are the stories that we imagine Moshe knowing, it's not yet 100% clear, as you're suggesting, that God is someone who is Sampel Adam or Yasumilem or Cheresh, because we, we haven't really met in the narratives of Breshit, at least through the forefathers and foremothers, um, that, that, that kind of supernatural intervention, maybe Stoman Amorah, uh, you know, from last week's Parsha. So maybe Moshe does need to be introduced to this God and what the power of the Tretrogrammaton is to, to bring together all of these comments that you all, all shared. Uh, Leonard, Rebecca, or is that just Rebecca? I can't see. Yeah, Rebecca. Um, I was thinking, linking back to what Joanna had said about early in the verse, maybe it's a parent who teaches, teaches you to speak. And then later, these are, these are attributes that, that God would, uh, would cause the, when Rashi says, a city called Zot, he, he perhaps is choosing the word Zot rather than Ze, because it's like a creator, mother, who is who is making uh, um, making uh, um, making all these things about deaf or blind or whatever? So it's a creator kind of uh, thing. So maybe Zot is the feminine. Yeah, it's interesting. Why Zot? Um, I don't think I can speak with um, in an educated way about how a medieval stage like Rashi would have chosen Zot versus Zet in a situation where it doesn't seem to be. Um, obvious because it's not obvious what the reference, the antecedent to Zot is. Um, and let you know, we could invent it that Zot is, is uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to know why that's a feminine um, um, version of the phrase this. Um, is it evocative of some feminine aspect of God as you know, the Shekhinah in whose womb we are all created? Maybe, except that it's a reference there, the Zot is a reference not to the god but to the the list of things that god is able to do it's an interesting question i hadn't thought about that uh okay let's move on to verse 12 on which there are no rashis but that doesn't mean we don't have anything to say about it uh renee you're still up will you read it verse 12 for us uh Okay. Uh, so now go, I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you should say. Great. Right. It, it, it's, it's a, 
it's another one of these moments where we could ask ourselves, what's the tone of voice that God is using? Because the verbs, the, the words themselves are not that hard to figure out. These are all pretty simple vocab words, right? Ata, with the ayin, means now, not you. Uh, lech means go. Anochi, here we have that word again. I, the, the, he doesn't say yud vav here. God says anochi, the I. Ehye, um, let's, let's uh, at least linger on the possibility that the ehye here is supposed to be if either orally evocative or even con- on a content base evocative of ehye, asher ehye, right? When God first gave most of the answers to who am I? I am ehye, asher ehye. And then God shortens it to ehye. Remember that Rashi? Im uh, picha. It's an interesting phrase. I'm going to be with your mouth. Like, that doesn't even sound good to say in English. And it's hard to know, would it, what, what, did it sound just as odd in ancient Hebrew? Like, we know what it means, but it's a weird way of saying, I'm going to be with your mouth. No, I'm going to be with you um, through your mouth. Ticha, the root is hora'ah, like Torah. I will teach you, asher to the bear, that which you need to say. So there's no hard vocabulary, but it's still a kind of a juicy verse. Uh, and the juiciness is represented by three, three hands up, which we'll look, look at in a second. But before we do that, look at the um, Aramaic here, just in this category of, I like to point out things to you that are interesting, even if they're not central to understanding the verse. Look at Uncleus Uchaan Izel, now go, umemre yehei im pumach, pumach is your mouth. Uh, memory is interesting that that because it's from amar speaking like that my almost like my speech will be in your mouth as opposed to the actual hebrew anochi and then the alpinach uh and i'm just showing you that the aramaic root for to teach is built from the word aleph we discussed this before that aleph to aleph someone is to teach upon right? The fact that the, you, the way you learn Hebrew is to an ulpan, it's to be in an alephization, uh, to start with aleph and keep going. And I just love that that's one of the ways that that, that word is constructed. It's interesting that he uses teach in this sentence and not tell you what to say. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. It's, it's an instruction. It's an instruction. It's a, it's, it's a reveal. Okay. Uh, I see a lot of hands. Let's start with Rick. Um, hi. Um, Larry and I were going over the Haftorah this week, and Nathan, the prophet, tells Bathsheba to go now, Ata, and he, he says, Lachi, because she's feminine, and go speak to King David and say, Hey, uh, Adoniyahu is plotting against you. It should be Solomon. So it's just one of those times a year where it matches the Haftorah. Um, that's all. It's, there's the, the same Viata and Lachi. That's can, I just, can I just jump in for a second? And then there's two atas with an ayin in that verse, and then there's a Masoretic correction that says the second one should be with an aleph. So it's, In the haftarah? In the haftarah, yeah. it's, yeah. I forget the verse, I can go get it. There's, there's ata, and I think, there's a, I think that's with a, 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 a zakev gadol at the beginning, yeah. um, and then in the middle of the verse, this is v'ata again with an ayin, and then Rick pointed out that the Masoretic note was, no, it's a mistake, or no, in some versions it says, in some versions it's, it's Aleph for you, yeah. which make more sense anyways, and that's the way it's translated. Right, and here you can clearly understand the verse as v'atalech in, in, um, in, with it being you, right? God is not saying, and now go, but you're going to go. And if you think about 
the, the easiest mistakes to make in an orally transmitted transition uh, tradition are uh, non-vocalized letters that only rely on the vowel to let you know what what how to pronounce it. And Aleph and Ayin, you can imagine, are very easily mistaken, even in a tradition that pronounces them more gutturally. Like if you hear a Yemenite speak, uh, it's harder to, to make a, a mistake between an Ayin and an Aleph. But, but for something transmitted over centuries without being written down, you can imagine that, uh, that mistake being codified. Um, okay, let's go to Barry's hand was up, and then we'll keep going down the line. Barry, are you talking? I can't hear you if you are. I can hear. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, you asked what, what tone God was using uh, with Moshe here. And uh, the words belie that uh, God's been extremely intimate with Moshe. I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm God will be in, in your mouth. I, 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 I'm in your mouth speaking with you. I'm marrying you. We're, 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 we're one and we're, I, I'm, I'm oneing with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's extremely, intimate. extremely intimate. It's intimate. It's, also, you can see it as controlling, like you're going to be my puppet and I'm the marionette master. Um, and um, I, I miss uh, um, the moments in this class where we could turn to uh, Sal Litvak, who used to be a part of it as a movie director, and ask him how he would shoot the scene, uh, because that changes everything. Um, and even how you punctuate the scene. So uh, Everett Fox adds an exclamation point, which tells us something about what Everett Fox thinks it should be read as. He says... So now, comma, go exclamation point. And it almost reads as, um, like, not just an exuberant go, but a, a little bit of an irritated go, like, go. And then Arafat says, I myself will be there with your mouth. I will be there. He adds in a there in Eheyeh Im Picha, be there, and will instruct you as to what you are to speak. Um, so again, we could read this guy as saying, reassuring, okay, Moshe, like, the last verse I said, I'm gonna, I'm the one who's responsible for the for for dealing with the very things you're concerned about. So now you should feel comfortable. Go and don't worry, I will be there. Or God is saying, How do you not know this? I'm I sent you. Who do you think I am? Who do you think I would send you there on without the tools you need to succeed? Now go already, and I'm gonna be with you, and the conversation is over. Could be read both ways. Tova. Um, well, you anticipated uh, my comment a little bit in, on your lead up uh, because I was noticing the AA also, but I was making the connection not so much back to the AA Asher AA, but to Anochi Yudhe Vavhe, which is yes. the same root. It's like he's just said, look, I am divine, I am God, and in relation to you and the people of Israel, I'm Yudhe Vavhe, and I am going to AA. In your mouth, it's like I'm literally who I am in right. relation to you and this people am, will, will be with your mouth. Uh, so it, it's just pointing that. And, I, and Everett Fox seems to be going in the same direction in, term, in the way he translated it as well. Well, unless I misunderstood you and you're already saying this, you could make that point even stronger and read the, right. the syntax of that verse as an I, in picha, not that we should read as a verb, but just. Right. Hey, yeah, is going to be my hey, yeah, which is my name is going to be in right. your name. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Not as a verb, but as a, but as, as a, as a nominative. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Larry, Diane. Same point. I only want to accentuate that only one translation I have here actually makes a point of that. And that's Alter who says, and I myself will be with your mouth. 
and neither uh, the R.E. Kaplan or the Art Scroll do that. They just translate the same as the uh, JPS. How does Arya Kaplan translate that? Because he's really interesting. Yeah, here he's not so interesting. He simply says, um, now go, exclamation mark, I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. Uh-huh. Well, Everett Fox agrees with the, the other one then, because Everett Fox also adds in a myself, and I wonder if he's Everett Fox is kind of reading the myself into this eh, yeah. But he also reads it as will be there. So he, he's it's unclear which word myself is attached to. In the and, and just, just, to, just to give an alternative to what Barry was saying, I don't think it's such an intimate thing in the sense that God is putting himself in Moses' mouth because he's instructing, meaning Moses maintains agency. So there, there is, it, it's the partnership between the two, between the character God and, and, and Moses, rather than God acting through Moses. Yeah, that's why I, I use the word marriage. Yeah, it's intimacy of marriage. Um, great, uh, Joanna. I think the read of um, the possible read of the Ata possibly being with the Aleph and not an Ayin is quite interesting because both the verb forms Lech and the verb form Ayet have the pronoun implied with them. You don't actually need a pronoun in front of them to understand who is being referred to. And so therefore, both of those pronouns now start to create an interesting stress on the sentence. You, Moses, your job is just to go. And I, myself, God speaking, will mm. do X, Y, and Z. Mm. Yeah, um, very good. So if, if you just... If you took out both the viata and the anochi, the verse are, makes some sense on its own. Lech, picha, right? And we know who the subject of the lech is and who the subject of ehye is. So does that mean that the addition of the pronouns is to reinforce the difference between God and Moshe in the scene? Or are they not pronouns at all? Right, are, are, is is you know particularly because the way it's viata is pointed is not pointed as a pronoun; it's pointed as a as a as a now word. Interesting. Um, and hello, how we got there? She, 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 does she have any thoughts on this on the subject? Well, she was smiling when she came in, so she's happy to study. Hi. Can you remind us her name, Larry? Um, well, I call her Millie, but everybody else calls her uh, Amelia. Amelia, right? Boca Tov, Amelia. So nice to have you with us, Elon. Uh, uh, so I actually don't see any agency uh, for Moses here. I actually read it completely as God as puppet master and find it somewhat interesting that it's all about God and God's attributes and what he's going to do for Moses, as opposed to God saying to Moses, hey, Moses, you've got this. You have these attributes that make you a leader. You're smart. You're brave. Um, you can do this. I'll be, I'll be behind you, but it's your attributes. On the reading of this, God could have picked anybody because it's God that's doing it. And, and um, that's all. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to take of that, but I, I, I find it that it actually removes uh, most of the agency from Moses. It's a fascinating comment, Ilan, and it maybe it, it adds light to what might have been troubling Chizkuni in his commentary on the page. Uh, so if, if we take that comment right into Chizkuni, look at if you're with us in the in the Torah Chaim 
Uh, look at the bottom left, the bottom left line of the page, uh, at least aside from the footnotes. Im picha, right? That weird phrase, I'm going to be with your mouth. It's a weird way of saying it. Chizkuni says, she picha, that he's going to heal, rofe, your mouth, so that you can speak fluently. I wonder if Chizkuni is saying, is sensitive to the same thing you're sensitive to and doesn't want to read Moshe as marionette. And what's God's influence going to be? Not in fully controlling Moshe as a robot in that scene, but I'm going to be with your mouth, meaning before you get there, I'm doing surgery on you. I'm going to, I'm going to efface and fix the deficiency you fear you have so that when you're there, you'll be fine. Yeah, I'll give you a hint as to what you need to say, but your, your mouth's going to work as it was supposed to work, which is very different than saying, I'm going to be the one producing the words for you, right? So I wonder if, if you and Chizkuni are sensitive to the same things. And if, you know, it's always good to be con- concerned about the same things that Chizkuni was concerned about. So well done, Elon. Uh, Barry. Yeah, I, I take issue with, with the marionette uh, analogy. Uh, it, spoiler alert in the next verse. Um, it, 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 God needs Moshe's willing agency in this. It, it, God is not going to make Moshe say or do things. Moshe must be doing these things. Moshe must be willing to do these things. Right. God wants Moshe to want this um, and to be active in it, even though God obviously is going to have a significant role in that encounter. And, and it's a really interesting question, how, how much of a role we imagine God having as, you know, the, 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 the wizard behind the, behind the screen, um, actually typing into the mainframe, the things that are actually going to be said, or simply, you know, with Moshe in a way says so that Moshe can reach his highest potential in that moment, right? Those are two, two, two different theological images for how we imagine the exit is happening. And, and impacts how much of Moshe is in the scene and how much of Moshe is even Moshe. Stevie, and then we'll uh, read the next verse because Rashi's quiet on this verse. Yeah, um, if we're going to delve into the relationship here between God and Moses, it's just, I don't want to steal the thunder from, you know, two or three weeks away, but it's uh, in verse 16, it's clear it's equivalent to the relationship between Moses and Aaron that Moses is like a God to Aaron and Aaron's like a prophet to Moses or of Moses um, in terms of who has agency, who's creating the words. Um, right. I think we can probably table that discussion is what I'm saying. Great. And, and, and Rashi on the next verse or the verse after that is going to go deeper into the Aaron Moshe relationship, which is an interesting parallel as we think of the Moshe God relationship. So, so good. We'll at least table it for a verse or two. Okay, let's go to verse um, 13, right? So there's been several back and forths now, right? So just to remember the, the, the flow, we go backwards a little bit. Um, God gives Moshe the instruction. Moshe says, what if they don't believe me? God gives Moshe um, a magic trick and then a second magic trick. And then after the second magic trick, when, when Moshe can no longer say that he's not going to be He's not going to theoretically have the tools he needs to make this happen. In verse 10, Moshe says, I don't, not a man of speech. In verse 11, um, uh, God says, don't worry, I'm the one who can help that. In verse 12, God says, now, now go already, like this encounter is over. And Moshe still doesn't accept, because look at verse 13. Um, let's see who's not 
read yet today or haven't heard from. Sue, do you want to read verse 13? Yes, indeed. Um, <clears throat> Vayomer bi Adonai shlachna beyad tishlach. And God, uh, and Vayomer bi Adonai, and he said, and God said, hmm, um, I will send, I don't know what this means. I, I am, I will send in your hand. <laughs> I will send. It doesn't make any sense to me. You got, you got a lot of the words. We got to put it all together. So uh, the, the, the speaker here is Moshe, not God, right? So, okay, God so, so God said, you're going to be in God. The Lord's going to be in me. Uh, be, be interesting. B, I think, does not here mean bet and and me, like Chabo B. It means, it's it's like that word na, which is sort of like a softening, a please, an entreaty. We had it uh, just a few verses back in verse 10. Moshe said to God, B Adonai, kind of the way, if it pleases God. In fact, Uncleus translates B Adonai usually as the Va'u Adonai. Right, same same way in verse ten here. The va'u is from the Aramaic word bet ayin yud, which means to want or to request. It's almost like imirza Hashem, right? If it will please God, it's a a a polite way of saying the thing that the person doesn't want you to say. So Moshe says back, "Please God, please God, shlach na biad tishlach." So then, how do we make those words make sense if it's Moshe saying it back to God? Send, send, send me by, by your hand that you would send, send me how you would send me, send me how you would send me. How about that? Okay. Send me how you would send me. Actually, it's hard. It's it's like easy vocab, hard syntax. Shlach is the command form of Sholeach, Moshe saying it to God. The na softens the command. So, so send, please. Biyad tishlach by the hand of whom you would send. That still doesn't make a lot of sense, but we're getting there, right? Mo- so Moshe is saying back to God after this last place where God said, "I'm going to be with your mouth." Send, and he says it softly through the hand of the one who you would send. It's cryptic. Look at Uncle Issa's translation. He adds an, a very interesting word. Amar uh, He said, "If it should please God, shlach ka'an, send, please, biad, in the hands, man, the one who dikashar shlach, that is kosher for you to send. Send an appropriate one." What What does Uncleus thinks the verse means? If Uncleus is adding in the word dikashar, send someone, send someone who's right for the job. What does Uncleus think the pshat of the verse is? Anyone? Norm? I think he's saying, send, don't send me. Um, and what's more, um, over the last, over, you know, over my lifetime, several times I've heard agnostics who are not observant say that if God would appear them to them and unambiguously command them to do this, that, or even just to follow halach in general, they would do it. And God reliably has not done so for them. But I think that they're holding themselves to a shocking standard because Moshe has just gotten clear, unambiguous instruction directly from God. 
And he's still resistant to it. Even Moshe Rabbeinu is like that. Right. And so, therefore, you're saying that the, the kasher here is Moshe still resisting and saying back to God, despite all of what you said, why don't you choose someone who's, who's, who's more right for the jab, who doesn't need your miraculous healing of the mouth, right? What's interesting about that choice, that choice of, of Uncleus's, which, and I think you're right, is sensitive to what's coming next, because if you just cheat the next three words or four words, God, God, angry with Moshe, it almost forces us to read whatever's happening in verse 13 as Moshe resisting. And the reason why that's a significant thing to say is that you could also read the verse. All these verses can, can, can hit a lot of Robert Frost moments where you read it one way or the other. You could also read a verse as saying a concession. He said to God, all right, send it. Okay, send who you want to send. I guess I'm the one you want to send. Okay. So you could read the shot of 13 is saying, all right, I accept, except that verse 14 suggests a anger. And if verse 13 is Moshe saying, okay, send who you want to accept, then we have to understand Moshe's anger, uh, God's anger in verse 14 as being angry that Moshe didn't accept it with more enthusiasm. Or we have to read verse 13 as Moshe still deflecting. Okay, look how ever Fox translates this. Um, but he said, colon, please, my Lord, pray, that's the na, pray send by whose hand you will send exclamation point. So it, it's Uncleus is reading, sorry, Everett Fox is kind of reading it the way Uncleus is, which is that this is Moshe resisting and w- one more appeal from God to choose someone else besides him. In fact, oh, Everett Fox gives a footnote on that and his footnote on his own translation is, that is, comma, find someone else, Okay. It's not 100% clear from, those, from the words, but that's how most people read it. Uh, let's hear some other translations. Uh, Arya Kaplan or, um, or anyone else is out there. Robert Alter. Okay, I'm going to read your Alter, but I want to read your Alter's uh, note about this too. Oops, uh, you, uh, I muted you by accident. So you need to unmute. All right. Okay. Alter's, Alter says, and he said, please, my Lord, send... Pray by the hand of him you would send. Okay. That's pretty weird. But then he has this comment. Um, the implication, of course, is, but not me. Moses resorts to this vague and slightly cryptic phrase because he doesn't dare say so, and doesn't dare to say in so many words that he is still unwilling. But God immediately recognizes this as a refusal, hence the flare up of anger in his immediate response. So he's trying to be polite about it, Moses, and um, and obviously God isn't having any of it. And then huh. Ariane Kaplan says, um, I beg you, O Lord, exclaim Moses, please, exclamation um, mark, send someone more appropriate. Yeah. And he also, he also has a, um, a, a comment. <clears throat> he says, um, um, he mentions the Targum from Sephorno, literally, send by the one you will send, or send whomever else you wish, or send Aaron, the one you usually send, <laughs> which is, I guess, we're going to get to that in a minute in Rashi. Correct. So, so that last one it gets to how, how Rashi is going to handle it. And it's interesting how many translators, including Uncleus, and maybe informed by Uncleus, 
throw in this word appropriate or kasher when it's just not in the verse, right? Great. Renee? Saperstein says, he replied, please, my Lord, send by the hand of whomever you will send. Right. So that leaves it, I think, like, like wonderfully ambiguous, right? I actually like translations of this verse that don't try to come down on, on, on one way or the other in terms of whether this is a deflection or a begrudging acceptance, because it, it's, it does not seem clear in the verse. Um, okay. Any other comments on the pasuk before we go to the Rashi? Stevie? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if it could mean like send, um, right? Like there's a military connotation of like, I've delivered someone into your hands. And that's like, maybe the wording's not quite right, but, but something like either, you know, deliver, like, instead of just you being there to like, give me support, but like send someone who's like beneath me, right? Like not instead of me, but alongside of me, but somewhat, but like, yeah. Right. I I hear you're going with it and, and you're, awakening that the word biyad here is for is strange it's hard to know what the whose yad is it is it your yad god is it the yad is it by means of the hand of the one whom you would send so it's the it's the messenger's yad yad is a very strange word here um and i really have no idea what to do with it what the word means i have no idea what to do with it and yad is evocative yad of god's strong hand but it doesn't seem to be god's strong hand hard to know sue my phone is ringing and being annoying, but so I'm sorry. It'll stop in a sec. Um, well, I just want to say that when you asked me to read that verse, I had given it a quick glance and I understood every word. It was easy to read. And I even have a translation here. I don't understand it still. And I, um, I don't even understand it in the English translation, <laughs> but the Rashi helps. Can we go? Can we go with it? Yes. Before, is there a translation in front of you that's at least worth reading? Uh, that's uh, different enough from the ones that we've been listening to no and he said oh lord send i pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send yeah thank you right. so thanks a lot yes <laughs> exactly okay so let's so it is funny that i thought oh this is good i understood all the words in hebrew but i really understood nothing okay all right you ready yeah okay biad tishlach biad mishata ragilishloach vehu acharon Okay, that's good. So translate that. Um, it, and it 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 means in in the hand of the person you're used to sending, and that is Aaron. Right, Ragil. You know, like it's it's not like he sent anybody. I'm not sure where he's getting the Ragil, but you know, send our. It's basically okay. Send all right. I'll do it, but really send Aaron. Good. So the first thing Rashi does to try to resolve what the word yad is doing syntactically in the verse and he, and cuz the yad is hanging out there so by be, by the yad by, by the hands of by the means of the one whom you are normally sending into these situations which begs the question when was god normally sending Aaron into these situations but maybe this is Moshe's kind of fantasy that Aharon has been um like a, you know a second hand man to god with the Israelites in Egypt. And remember that 
there was an earlier Rashi where, where, where Rashi is imagining that the reason why Moshe is reluctant is because he doesn't want to supersede his older brother, right? Um, and that his older brother is also a Navi, okay? So that's the first thing Rashi says. And then Rashi adds a Devar Acher. Devar Acher. Be'yad Acher she'tirce lishloach. אין סופי לך ניסה לארץ ולהיות גואלים לעתיד. יש לך שלוחים הרבה, יש לך שלוחים הרבה. אוקיי. אין הרבה אנשים. אוקיי, זה מעניין. ובהנדה של עוד אחד to go into the land and to be the great redeemer of the future. Um, you have a lot of um, other messengers. You have a lot of messengers. Great. So Rashi one on this verse is Moshe saying to God, send Aaron, but saying it cryptically. Rashi two on this verse is Moshe saying to God, you know, there are many people more appropriate than I, and maybe you should choose someone who can finish the task and, It's a really interesting insight into Moshe's self-assessment, right? This is way before hitting the rock, folks, right? This is way before uh, Moshe is punished and saying he can't go into land. It's not my destiny to be the one to bring them into the land. Um, no, I'm not going to be their ultimate redeemer. Don't you want to choose someone who can be there for act four? You've got plenty of potentials. You so know- go ahead. You know, we do all this, you know, Moshe, you know, he named me and, you know, they see steps up and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, he really is busy saying, I'm not the guy. God, I'm not the guy. Yeah. And he says it enough that we get a outburst by God who's been who's maintained God's own executive functioning and uh, and high, you know, high executive state throughout. And, and the next verse, God's going to lose it a little bit. Right. Both of these commentaries of Rashi are unambiguous in reading Moshe as giving one more final deflection, not a begrudging acceptance, right? It has to be one or the other. It can't be a full acceptance because otherwise God's anger, the next verse doesn't make sense. But this is one more attempt at a, at a, at a, at a deflection, not a begrudging acceptance. Joel, and then Joanna, and then Tova. Um, can you, tra- is there any way to translate biyad, like liyad, like, okay, send... So the Tishlach is him talking about himself. Okay, he's, he's giving that he's going to go, but Shlach, not Biyad Tishlach. Send somebody alongside who, he, who you were, will send. So he's hinting that he wants an assistant. And then the next verse, Hashem says, okay, fine, I'll send Aaron with you. Yeah, someone else hinted that before. Was it Barry or Larry? I forgot. That, that the, or maybe it was Stevie, I don't remember, that this is a request That, the, that whomever you send, send alongside someone else whom you're going to send. Maybe we know that prepositions in ancient Hebrew, biblical Hebrew are pluripotent and can mean lots of different things. So a bet can be a lama, it can be a mem, can be a, uh, et cetera. So the answer is sure, that's a possibility, particularly given uh, God's response in the next verse. Joanna and then Tova. Rashi's read this interpretation of Moshe kind of thinking it's not going to be him all the way. They're going to be other messengers. It's an interesting read from the outset because, you know, we often say what you believe you can actualize. So like to imagine what if 
Moshe's belief and thought now had been different, that he really believed in himself more as a leader at this moment, would, would any of the story that follows be any different? Right. Is, is Moshe saying he's not bringing, he's not going to be the one bringing him into the land of Israel, a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're going to look at an interesting Rashi on a verse in Bamidbar in a second that plays around with that because the shot of the story seems to think, seems to say, and Rashi is aware of it, that at this point, there's no reason Moshe wouldn't think he would complete the task, right? Unless he's so um, lacking confidence that he can't imagine he would be able to get them all the way to the end of the end of Israel. Uh, Tova, and then we'll look at this interesting verse from Bamidbar. Um, I'm actually just going to pose a question. I, I think I have been swayed by the many protests of Moshe, and I, I found myself asking, <laughs> why is God choosing Moshe? <laughs> and I guess it's something we can think about for the next couple of chapters. What What is it in the nature and character of Moshe that in the end presumably makes him the correct choice? Um, because he's a very reluctant choice. Maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Right. But uh, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, meaning M- Moshe's self, you know, deprecations are are believable, right? Um, as I'm in a situation all the time where you know I'm asking someone to take on a position, you know, president of the shul, and the person protests that they're not they're not up to the task. They don't think that they have the 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 medal they're not they're not worthy and I often say and I mean it that that that's one of the very things that makes you most worthy right mm-hmm. that the fact that you're not you're not so supremely confident that you're the only one who could do the job is, is means that you're probably the right person to handle the job hum- humbly and healthily right so um, we we could believe Moshe that he's really not the right guy or these are the most important qualifications to be God's messenger uh, Stevie Rebecca and then I do want to show you this verse from Bamidbar while it's in my mind go ahead. All right, just quickly, um, since Rick didn't mention it, the trope makes the very unambiguous decision to connect the word biyad to tishlach, which comes after it, and not tishlach now that comes before it. Whatever mm-hmm. possibilities there may be, like it, that's you know one choice, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only way to read the verse, but the trope is very unambiguously making that choice. Right, biyad tishlach is hyphenated in the Masoretic text. Um, it's considered one word by the hand by, by the hand of one of the one you will of you will send is one word. Yeah, Rebecca. Um, I just wanted to quickly say that while we were reading this, my the question that keeps coming to my mind is why are we actually um, an audience to this exchange? Why? Why are why are they you know why is the, the Torah sharing this with us at all? Um, because we could just move on to what happens, and maybe with Rashi's explanation here, it's basically you're getting a a little bit of a taste of what's going to happen later, and a and a, finally that Moses doesn't go in to Israel. This is already laying sort of the groundwork to we're building up a leader that we will not end up with. And, and so I'm trying to understand this whole, this whole conversation here in yeah. light of that. Yeah. It links to what Tova was saying before. It, it's a, it's a, it's a premonition or maybe it was Joanna. I keep forgetting who said what it was a premonition. It's a, maybe a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe it's to, it's to um, help us understand that Moshe was, was both the right person for the job, but, but 
but recognized his own limitations and was and was accurate in that. Right? Look at this. Um, look at this verse, and then we'll end with this. Okay. So later on in the book of Bamidbar, we have this verse where God, where Moshe is speaking to Chovav, one of the other names of of Yitro. Um, Moshe said to Chovav, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Choten Moshe, his father-in-law, we are, we're setting off. We're going to the place where uh, God told us to go. Um, come with us, please. This is where Moshe is pleading with you to come on the journey. God has spoken positively on Israel. It's going to be a successful thing, right? So look at Rashi says on this. Yeah, so... Um, Miyad, uh, uh, not that piece. Uh, here, down where my cursor is. Umipneima shitef Moshe atzmo imahem. Why did God, why did Moshe include himself with them in the we? Shadayan lo nigzerag zera alav. That the gzera, the decree that he would not enter the land, would not had not happened because the incident with the water had not happened yet. Uchesavor shahunichnas, and he's under the impression that he's going to enter. Super commentaries on Rashi, noting this Rashi say, well, then how do you read that Rashi into, um, into our verse, our Rashi? Because Rashi in our verse has Moshe saying, I know I'm not going to bring them into the land. You get the conflict, right? Rashi in Midbar says that before the rock story, Moshe thinks he's going. Rashi in our verse says, Moshe knows he's not going. So like we'd say in, in Aramaic or in, in Tamilic language, daikanami, that if you, if you read really closely, there's a clue. And the clue is, lahachnisam. look at the words that Sue had read uh, in our Rashi. Ein sofi lahachnisam la'aretz. I'm not going to be the one to, to, to lead them into the land of Israel. It doesn't mean I don't think I'm going to be with them. I just think that by then I will have retired. So, so that's how super commentaries resolve potential conflict in Rashi. Rashi thinks that Moshe thinks that until the scene with Iraq, he's going to get to see the land of Israel but he's not going to necessarily be in charge, which is why he says here, I'm not going to be that machnis, right? The one who is formally entering them into the land. And some of that is written out um, in footnote 15 uh, on our page. So when we meet next week, we will get to the fury um, where God says enough is enough and uh, pack your bags. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.